0: Hello and welcome to the original content podcast. I'm Anthony Ha.
1: I'm Jordan Crook. And I'm Daryl Etherington.
0: Every week we review a new streaming show or movie. This week we're going to be talking about the third season of Emily in Paris. We're also going to recap the latest two episodes of The Last of Us. And before that, wanted to talk about some streaming news, specifically Netflix. I mean, I guess we talk about Netflix a lot, and one thing that we've been Updating people on every few months has been Netflix password sharing. And as of this week, more details have come out about how Netflix is actually going to implement that. We should say that this they've they've kind of said this isn't the final set of rules for the US, but it seems like they're moving towards, you know, how it's actually going to work. And it's basically going to be tied to your IP address and devices tied to your account will have to log in on your you know, home Wi-Fi network, on your IP address once every 31 days, or they will be locked out. They'll be considered not part of your account. There will be an option where if you're traveling, you can get a temporary code to get access. But essentially, that's how they're going to try to limit the amount of password sharing you do and how many other people can use your Netflix account. Does that seem like a pretty good way to do it?
2: That's how Hulu does it.
1: Yeah, I think there's a few, uh, there's precedent for that. Also with like a lot of the Canadian home, st- whatever they call it, like when over the top, the cable stuff would be like, oh, you can also take your subscription with you on the road with our mobile apps. Yeah. Like the, that's what I always used to do with those apps. But the, I saw a really good tweet, F- friend Roberto Faria, who is... Um, somebody i worked with at shopify said so netflix is forcing gen z's to visit their parents at least once a month very so like, <laughs> accurate That's um, good. but yeah it's i mean i think it's i think it's fair it's like a reasonable measure for them to take and it's not overly uh, restricting i think i don't know it does uh, it gets rid of the the like oh i've broken up with my girlfriend we've been broken up for like 10 years or whatever but i still use her network, netflix password or vice versa like that's that is obviously gone but it feels like acquaintances and friends can still kind of do it and get away with it and
0: unless you do most of your most of your tv watch i mean most of your netflix watching on your tv i don't know if you're gonna be like lugging your smart tv to your parents place once a month
1: oh oh yeah i guess that well Yeah, that's true. Okay, I hadn't thought of it that way where it's like, oh, you can't like then take it back to your home and then like also sign in on your other devices at your actual home. Yeah, good point. Right, right.
0: I don't think it's like transitive in that way. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I think it's fair. I mean, I think it it is going to dramatically cut. It it seems like it is a nice balance between, yes, if you travel or you, you know, share with somebody who's close to you, um, there are still ways to, to do that and it's not, totally restrictive or annoying i'm sure there will be moments when it's annoying when you've like when you're traveling for work and then you
1: realize like oh i haven't it's been 32 days or whatever since i logged in on this device or something yeah
0: and i mean i think that is what the temporary code is for i don't know and that seems like not a you know a huge problem um i mean i have had to i guess i'm i won't i do not even remember which service now but other services have been cracking down a little bit more so my friends who use my logins have definitely been like hey Are you around right now because i need the Mm. temporary code so i can log in again i think you're going to see more of that that's fine um and i think
1: well people can then just set up like the you could set up a shared google voice number or a shared like skype number one thing people
2: could do also like i just this just came to me one thing that people could do is just get their own fucking account oh no (laughs) i don't know i know i mean
1: Wait, a capital, wild. Capitalist I know. It's <laughs> wild. It's a Jordan. wild
2: idea. I know it's a little off the wall, a little bit of friction involved, but we maybe John we don't D. set up a Google. Maybe we don't set up a Google voice account, you know, <laughs> to be sharing yeah. OTPs. And maybe maybe we just, you know, cough up 10 bucks and oh watch God. the fucking show you want to watch. I don't know. It's
1: like it's like she's channeling ann Rand right on the show. <laughs> I think
0: <laughs> to me, there's not a, like a super strong moral component either way, but I think that also cuts the other way that I definitely had a friend who was like, I can't believe Netflix is doing this. I'm so angry at them. They're so bad. I'm like, why are they bad? They're like, they're a, a for-profit they're a company a service trying provider. to buy their money. I agree with you're that. you're
2: using their service. Yeah.
0: Um, I think that's fine. That They're perfectly entitled to do that. I don't think, I'm also like, not like angry. Obviously, I'm perfectly fine with password sharing as well, but yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think it's totally fine that Netflix is doing it. I wanted them to do this in a way that's not super annoying for the people who are actually paying, but it seems like it'll, it'll be fine. Right.
2: Yeah, I agree. Not annoying for people who are paying. I also am not like mad at anyone for taking advantage of password sharing as it exists. But when you start talking about Google voice numbers, it pisses <laughs> me off. Because it's like, or, or when you see those BuzzFeed articles of like, you know, 22 entitled people and they're all like, yelling at their ex of five years for being a bitch for not giving the password again oh yeah 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 and like that shit piss like get your own if it's that important then get it yeah and maybe like cut back on two of your coffees per month or whatever like it's i would say
1: definitely don't attack any other human beings about this but then i would think the other one is like kind of inspiring it's collective action to empower the people to get a google voice number so i'm i'm a little bit split still on that one yeah,
2: yeah. okay well it was your idea so i'm not surprised <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right let's move on to emily in paris um emily in paris season three which we we came out at the end of of last year and we've been kind of talking it's been about 100 it. a hundred years Reviewing since i've seen it, it so um, i don't remember any of it. and we it kind of we kind of delayed our review by by a couple weeks um and so I would say actually the f- the first thing is just that I when I was watching this um I don't know three weeks ago four weeks ago and I, I was like texting you guys live as I'm watching it because I was loving it I had a, I had a great time with season three and then I like it's like all gone from my mind now like I <laughs> made no lasting impression I mean I I refreshed my memory I'm not gonna have nothing to say but it was striking to me how much um, I enjoyed it and then retained almost nothing.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's not a, I think it's not a, it's a very light entertainment in every sense of the word. And it does not leave a crazy impression upon the brain. I I think one of the things that I had with this was I didn't finish season two. So I was like, oh, I better finish season two before I start season three. And then I didn't. And then I'd, there was no issue whatsoever to just no. jumping into season three. I did not feel like anything was missing. I think they did a little bit of recap or something at the start, which was plenty enough if I wanted to stick into the plot. But it, it's kind of like, it reminds me a bit of comic books in this way where like you can just go buy a comic book at any time and like. You get the broad strokes of what's going on, even if it's mid arc and you're fine, right? Like you can jump back into the world. Well, it's not and
2: ever high stakes enough for it to matter, right? right? So, like, there might be context you're missing, but like, you're never like, oh no, I care so much about this that without this context, I don't have the complete picture. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Like, yeah. you're just like, oh, well, well, I guess that happened or something like that happened. And that's why we're here right now.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's basically, the, so the overall setup for the show for people who haven't watched it is that this young woman, Emily, um, you know, moves to to Paris sort of at the very last minute for professional reasons um, at, you know, at the beginning of season one. And then over time becomes like this successful kind of social media influencer marketing person in Paris has various uh, romances. And at the end of season two, uh, the, the, agency that she works for basically the whole staff uh leaves to start their own firm and they've asked Emily to join um and that's kind of the the conflict at the very beginning of season three and as far as the show goes this is like relatively high stakes um but even then it's it's sort of I would yeah it does not act like it doesn't it's not drawn out in any big way I, I actually I when I knew sort of the direction they were going to take it in I think it's okay to talk about this in in general it's like basically Emily because Emily is a bad person and indecisive person in a lot of ways which the show seems sometimes aware of and sometimes not aware of she's decided that she just is going to work for both agencies the old one and the new one yeah. for a little while and I was like oh my God are they going to try to stretch that out for the entire season and I'm glad that that is a storyline they pursue, and it kind of leads to ridiculous results, as everything does on Emily in Paris. But they didn't drag it out for ten episodes of of her trying to balance the two jobs.
2: Yeah, right. I think Darren Starr is
0: really comfortable
2: either like scooching past something, like here's a big problem, and then let's just sketch on past. Like, well, it. oh, yeah, it's not or, that big of
1: a problem in the end. Blah, here's blah, a blah. big
2: problem, and let's just like. Take ten steps back, and then we're back where we started. We didn't that problem. We just reversed it. Mm. We put that thing down, flipped it, and reversed it, and we undid the problem. That's Let's do ten more new ones. You know, it's like Missy there's never... Elliot.
1: Is that why did you do Missy Elliot on purpose? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Good.
2: just you want to make sure it was, was acknowledged. Purpose? You thought it? No, I don't
1: know. Naturally, like for
2: copyright issues, you wanted to acknowledge <laughs> it.
1: No, just so the audience appreciates appreciates what you what I think what they you've appreciated
2: done. it more than we. They do now, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just like there's never much lingering in this on anything, really. So
0: yeah, which I appreciate very much. That it Me is, too. yeah. Let's
2: just keep moving,
0: right? Yeah, um, that if it's an interesting storyline or a bad storyline, they'll burn through it. In Don't whole worry about episodes. it, yeah, because it'll be and then, Um, I mean, there are sort of like certain eternal conflicts that they'll return to but but for the most part things kind of get picked up and dropped i mean the eternal one being sort of will emily get together with gabriel which is fun although again they keep insisting that emily and gabriel have this amazing chemistry together and i still just don't see it at all gabriel being her her downstairs neighbor who's a chef and at the beginning of the show is you know uh turns out to be dating emily's friend like new friend camille and um then there's sort of that romantic triangle kind of takes on different forms but it always kind of comes back to will emily and gabriel get together uh, which is yeah i'm not invested in it but like they they again sort of take it to interesting places on the show
1: yeah i think they i would agree with you about the like the chemistry thing except that i do think they have more of a like they seem like they have a comfortable friendship believably it seem like they have a comfortable friendship now yes. which yeah but it's different from having like an unbridled passion that cannot be denied which is kind of what is key to the that part of the plot right i
2: don't know i think it's even more like potent because they're like mm-hmm. they're like married connection like mm-hmm. this is actually my best friend in the world right right right, right. and like it's one thing to go from like We had this flirtation we were into each other we slept together and it was awesome the best sex i've ever had and now i like can't stop thinking about it to like this is truly the person i want to spend most of my time with and also we had amazing sex and also all of that hangs in the balance it's like not as um intense on screen necessarily but like in terms of the way i evaluate it it's a much more high stakes situation now
0: yeah that's interesting i can see that to me it, it feels the feel of it is much more like oh these two people kind of were into each other romantically for a while and now they're good friends and that's perfectly fine that's a good arc for many relationships and friendships to take and then people then like the characters are much like oh my god but you know you still have feelings for Gabriel you really and so i and and when they do that i'm kind of like oh well i don't really see it but okay if that's what the show is saying i'll i'll go with it but mm-hmm. i can see what you're saying too jordan that i mean they do i think we're all kind of saying that they do seem a lot more comfortable as characters and as actors now than they did 2 seasons ago um danny can't stand gabriel for what it's <laughs> worth
1: oh i love gabriel
2: she just thinks he's so not cute and like cookie cutter you know out of the box or whatever I and I never really get it because every time he comes on screen she's like I can't stand him <laughs> like I think he's adorable I don't know what your problem
0: is I mean between Gabriel and Emery Emily I know who I think is more annoying
2: yeah of course Emily
0: correct um so how do we feel about over the third season overall did we think it was better or worse about the I same? thought it
2: was the best one so and I agree I think there's several reasons for that. One, I think all of the actors in the cast have really like found their groove and they're looking, like you said, I think there's the Gabrielle and Emily relationship. But just in general, I feel like some of the overacting, they're not, none of them are great actors, but like, it's just mellowed out a little bit. Um, two, I think plot wise, we... We had one important walk back, but otherwise I think some of the side stories were much more interesting. And the A plot that we were building towards is also really interesting. Um, Yeah, I think those are the main reasons why I thought. And, and like the topper is that there's some gay stuff in this one, which has been lacking thus far.
1: Right. Yeah, I, I also like this one the most. I think it was like, I think the maybe even Emily is like more likable or something, like has become a better actress or more comfortable with the character, maybe. But I like the uh, and the, they I didn't I still didn't like the B plot about the saying, but they really kind of like minimized it and they made it less about the saying and more about like all the other stuff that she has I also has just the
2: singing was better this time like it yeah, was yeah. more integrated and just generally better she's got it felt less like a better,
1: singer, like better a weird...
0: songs yeah 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 right so this is the the B plot around uh Emily's friend Mindy who in season two joins this kind of street busking band and has like a romance with one of the band members and then in season three they get their opportunity to perform at this like much more kind of uh you know prestigious club essentially um and there's tension on that so you get a lot of instead of a lot of um music numbers on the street you actually get them on stage in a club yeah
2: well and you get it for a reason like there's yeah. a story involved with the where she's singing and what she's singing and what's happening in the story around her singing. And, and it's it tied to like the A the, plot
1: too, as opposed to just kind mm-hmm, of like oh, happening true. over there. Right. But, and it yeah. felt
2: like in the first two seasons it was like, hey, we need like a minute and a half and it's in Mindy's contract that she sings a song. So let's just do levian and Rose by this fountain. Yeah. And that'll work, right? And she's just not good enough for that, I don't think. Sorry. Well
1: they also did a really good job of I think they realized, like, oh, this isn't resonating. And so they got rid of all of it. Like, they were just like, her friends are gone. Her boyfriend's gone. All this shit is gone. Uh, we're going to just start over again. And the only thing that remains with this plot is her, basically. Right. Like, yeah. They shuffled them out of there real quick. It was, it's like what you're talking about with the like the even the a plot like they're just like okay like yeah we'll get through this and then uh, we'll go to the next thing like sure this seems like maybe it'll be long and drug out but it's not actually going to be we're going to get through it as quickly as possible and move on to the next thing again great for this kind of thing because it's fluffy right
0: so i think we should probably get into spoilers pretty soon but i think maybe one of the things to just touch on is as i was telling people we were going to review this i think there's often this kind of oh Emily in Paris like why would you watch that why would you talk about that do you actually like that actually is the question that comes up and I'm like yeah yeah I do actually like the show I'm not going to tell you it's a great show but I I really enjoy it and I do agree that I don't know if three is better than two but I think that there were sort of some growing pains in season one that I think that now that that in the later seasons it's gotten a lot more fun I think it, there's less of the kind of fish out of water oh emily doesn't understand you know paris at all though they still do a little bit of that and there's also a little bit more recognition that emily is not always a great person and and that other characters kind of call her on it occasionally mm-hmm. and so like like with this storyline with her working for two different firms i mean that's a crazy thing to do yeah but it's not like everyone afterwards is like oh that's that's great high five good job um it, it, there, there is some external recognition that emily's kind of a crazy person which i appreciate.
1: although less less than there would be in real life yeah, yeah not
0: re- it's not a realistic show but at least yeah. it's just it feels like okay i the writers also understand that emily is kind of wild yeah yeah
2: it's like i i just think of the show as like if if Watching television is part of our like allotted daily free time, right? Like you have work time, you have adulting time, and then you have this like free time. I just think Emily in Paris is, like you said, not a great show. It's not one that I'm like salivating over or like can't wait for the next episode, but as a way to spend your time is like rock solid in my opinion. Like, it's just fun. It's easy. In fact, my sister is like,
0: it looks good too
1: just looks really good a lot of the times yeah it
0: makes me want to go back to
2: paris yeah yeah totally and there's like yummy looking food and wine and pretty spots and yeah i'm into it i think that it's so are we going to spoil it up like if you haven't seen season three
0: yeah let's let's spoil it up so if you have not seen season three of emily in paris and you don't want to be spoiled you should stop listening now Mm -hmm. um I think maybe we, I don't think we have to get into all the plot details because there's let's a lot of stuff that comes the, up. Let's right. just
2: hit the cliffhanger. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think oh, that's the, the, the finale. Okay. The, yeah. the finale plus uh, what's her face, uh, Camille. Because I think mm. those are the two most surprising things.
0: Which is tied to the finale because it's um, mm-hmm. so essentially, you know, all this other stuff happens. Um, and Emily does eventually. <laughs> the TV go... reviewer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel like long-time listeners I of the show will that. know that I'm the most impatient with po- plot summary. I'll be like, oh my yeah, God, yeah, it does not right? matter." to summarize it. It's No, fine. no, it's, it's fine. fine. <laughs> yeah. um, Emily does, you know, of course, eventually go work for, she like goes, bounces back and forth between agencies, but everyone knows that she belongs working with Sylvie and the French team. And and that's where she ends up. Although the agency is also going through that, this new agency is going through some struggles. Um well they just what? end up
2: walking that entirely back and saying sylvie's the only one who can run this come right. back and run it and start savoy again or savoir, savoir again yeah and uh then everything's just as it was well they don't do that
1: but they do something equivalent to it
2: yeah basically
1: and then yes. now it's Grateau,
0: right and i don't remember the exact where exactly that gets left but the big thing is that actually they basically there.
1: exit the, the American one exits and then Sophie continues her indie right. French design thing called Gretel, unaffiliated with any other American company or LVMA, which I assume is like LVMH,
0: but slightly tweaked. Yeah. So yeah, it's not going like, to
2: Let's just make it sound as close as possible. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. And then she's, they're even back in the old offices. So they didn't need new sets or new locations. Which,
1: I kind of like that little little uh storyline completely unrealistic but okay (laughs) manipulating the guy and then he does some like fucking ratatouille shit the whole thing like the non-compete and all
2: of that stuff like it's just ridiculous like none of it would have been possible but it was
1: all great because it's like this is this is how businesses work and then Sophie is like the one who's like oh look at all this paperwork it's like no you need to do all this to run an actual business and you have to know about it even in laissez-faire french world or whatever (laughs) it's
2: also like just a blown up version. Version of the same thing that happened in season one and season two, which is that Emily would walk into a meeting and be like, I have an amazing idea. One thing that we could do is just get you a social media account. <laughs> and by doing that, yes, yeah sales will convert by 300 percent you know what, what i love in this season like, is
1: there's a moment where someone points that out and then still takes the idea and it still works great like the <laughs> it's when they're doing the the car and then that she's like oh but you could just take your limited supply of this bad perfume and make it a limited edition and the guy was like thank you for explaining supply and demand to yes! me. And then, <laughs> and then was like but does it does <laughs> it and it works yeah
0: <laughs> um yeah well, I think the other thing that's great to me is that at the end of season two, I mean, I think this is a very common TV thing is it looked like they were totally blowing up the status quo and it was going to be a very different kind of setup moving forwards. Yes. And by the middle of this season, it's the same group of people doing the same work in the same location. And you're like, OK, fair enough. <laughs>
2: yeah, that's fine. Comfort like, food. It's fine because they did yeah. some other more interesting things. So Camille, who is back together with Gabrielle.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes.
2: Uh, and they're, she's traveling a lot. He's, they're not seeing as much of each other start, falls in love with an artist, a female artist, and they're having an affair. And then Gabrielle asks her to marry him. Mm-hmm. And she says, yes. And she's balancing these two things, which comes right. to a head in, in the finale.
0: And it, I mean, it's already, its I think, framed in this sort of mysterious way where it seemed like Camille was sort of being pulled in two directions, was spending a lot of time with the artist um, abroad, and then she comes back and then suddenly she and Gabriel are engaged. And so the finale is um, the engagement party at her parents' estate. Um, there's also this whole other storyline about Emily's relationship with, you know, the heir to LVMH who has become Mindy's boyfriend and how he feels like Emily kind of screwed him over. And and then he like act like acts like a real asshole towards her. And Mindy kind of puts her foot down and there's some reconciliation. And so then really the focus is much more on Emily and Gabriel leading up to a scene where Gabriel's like, what if we just got married at the chapel right now? And Camille's like, uh, sure. And so they all go into the chapel on her parents estate and then i mean he's like i can't do this mm-hmm. and oh she says you don't have to do this and then says you love emily instead and which is so great cuz emily is also there with her boyfriend alfie who i had no patience for in season 2 but has kind of grown on me and i'm kind of like yeah maybe they should be together oh i feel like the oh, other no, way, no way around like alfie.
2: Yeah, I liked him more in season two and was like, I could see this, I can get on board with this. And then by season three, I was like, this isn't gonna happen. It's just gonna be painful for everyone. Let's get rid of it.
0: But yeah. that that is that is truly a glorious and what and crazy thing to say <laughs> at your own yeah. wedding, to just be and like, you don't,
2: you don't have, have to, to do, do this. this. Right. I know you love Emily. And then Alfie's pissed and he stomps off. Emily goes chasing after Alfie, I think. And then Gabrielle, I think, chases after Emily. I
0: don't know. There's a lot of chasing going on. It feels
2: like they're about, Emily and Gabrielle are about to have a conversation where they finally confess their love to one another, but then it gets interrupted. And this is all rusty for me, so correct me if I'm wrong, but then they get interrupted by Camille and Camille drops the big bomb.
0: No, no. Um, Gabrielle says it. I think uh, Camille is watching from afar.
2: Oh, and this is why they got married. I remember now.
0: Yes, but Gabrielle, well, he doesn't say it explicitly, but it's pretty clear. He's like, yeah, oh, we uh, Camille is pregnant.
1: Mm, right. And okay. that's
0: the, the bum, season bum. finale cliffhanger.
1: Wow. Which amazing.
0: kind of similar to some other shows. There's an element of kind of like, well, I I mean, you know, there, there's no right choice people can can do what feels right to them but there should be at least some acknowledgement that you don't actually have to have this baby and maybe it would not be a good idea to have this
2: don't have to have the baby and you can have the baby and you don't have to get married and you can have the baby and get married I mean there's a billion different options but to act like it's like a singular outcome from the fact that she's pregnant is annoying
1: yeah yeah
2: so I think everyone's like okay so let's flex around it right. yeah exactly like
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh so that episode was pretty spectacular I enjoyed it very much even though I was like everyone's insane um and yeah. I always
2: like felt bad for Camille because I was like she loves Gabriel so much and her family loves him so much and like it felt like she was putting a lot of effort into her relationship with him and I feel like season three was really important because it always made Emily and Gabrielle like their inability to be together much more like foundational because it was like, okay, it's wrong. Like it's Mm. just morally wrong, you know, to some extent. Like it doesn't mean like all's fair in love and war and I believe that. So like if they wanted to be together, it's not like I would think they were terrible people, but it would just feel like there was a casualty, like a really clear casualty of that. And it's always upsetting to like, root for something where there's casualties like innocent casualties yeah. mm-hmm. but now it's like they finally let everything off the hook except in this one way with the stupid baby
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe yeah. the baby will turn out to be a complete hoax that, that i
1: mean yeah that would be a good one to unroll it would just be
2: weird for her to hoax it because she's got this other thing going on and i realize right. she's obviously afraid to and... come out but like
1: yeah, that I like. I think. Well, I also didn't. They they were like teasing it the whole season that like, what's his name, Chef? wanted a child, in, including himself. Oh some yeah, Gabriel. sort of disturbing scenes where it was like he was randomly playing with a bunch of children in a park and i was like where are the parents they should be like really upset concerned that this man is just like hey how's it going Whoa. Uh, i love it you want to fly the sailboat in the uh pond little girl like what the fuck? get the out of here bud <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah because then i was like oh, i don't let's let's keep kids out of this let's keep this has been a very fun show to date. i don't want to i don't want any children in the mess here and then
2: oh daryl
1: well, yeah, you know, that's just a personal preference of like. Yeah,
2: you're so anti child.
1: Yeah, yeah. But um, we'll see. I I hope like that that thing Anthony talked about comes true where they're just like. Yeah. That thing Anthony oh, talked don't about. Don't worry about it. No childs. If, if somehow it's fine.
0: Right. Because I feel like the other options of like either she has the child, that's sort of, it's hard to make that sort of light and fluffy or she has an abortion and it's hard to make that light and fluffy. Right. Um, so hopefully it's just a hoax.
1: Because, well, hoax is the, is be the, you
0: know, the only surprised, Darren Starr's
2: done several abortions that have been light and fluffy on Sex and the City. Oh, okay. Right, fair enough.
1: I mean, that's kind of, yeah, that's kind of be, like, They're not light and fluffy. Like, they're message. dark Sex, yeah, in yeah.
2: City, Sex and the City episodes, but it's not like they bring the whole season down or something. Right, it's right, like one 30-minute right. segment of, like, here's some, you know, like sitcoms when, you know, bad things happen to the yeah, children.
1: today on a very special
0: then, episode. Yeah, 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 exactly.
2: Like, the more you know, and then we all move on
0: right um i did also enjoy the reminder in this episode that di- didn't emily hook up with camille's younger brother who's under yes
2: yes <laughs> mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. so oh, you know they goodness. had that happen and it was just yeah. you know and that whatever. was very
1: fun for everyone including the whole family
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh one of my favorite things in uh sort of the discussion around emily in paris uh not to sort of tout somebody else's reviews but like the vulture recaps of emily in paris are just pure delight even more they bring more joy to me even than the show itself and one of the main things that the reviewer keeps harping on is like how old is emily and i think at some point you do find out that she is in her early 30s which seems crazy because she is just so immature yeah yeah and like, yeah, like I would have guessed that. Well, she's I thought like they were trying to say
2: in season one that she was like in her like 26, 27, 25, 26, 27 is what I thought that they were trying to intimate to us because she had done grad school and then worked a couple of years, which to me right. says like 26, 27. And her forehead would suggest otherwise. Danny loses her mind. She's like, <laughs> this girl has to get Botox i never noticed i never it's noticed a yeah. vain thing to say but you will notice it now just no. go look at she, i mean i've never seen anything like it
1: well she has bangs which is a good she has bangs uh, plot, now. yeah danny was like thank this. god for that
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I, I was slightly off it is she i think it, when she has uh, her birthday party in season two she's 29 which oh, is okay. still pretty old to me for the behavior that she <laughs> does but that's 100%. that's fine
2: but we're aging slower now. People are more immature for yeah. longer.
1: Yeah, and men are still boys until they're fifty or sixty or whatever, right? According to the show. Yeah, Trump that's why they want to date twenty-one-year-olds. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Like you're my soulmate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you totally get me.
0: <laughs> Any final thoughts on Emily in Paris season three before we move on to? It's the a last great stuff.
2: season. You should watch it. You should watch the whole show. You should get ready for season four. Like I, uh, absolutely. Else to
1: say. Yeah
0: yeah i'm enjoying it i think probably it only has like one or two more seasons of story left and i don't know this is a show that needs to run for seven or eight seasons but i'll watch a couple more
2: i would run it till the wheels fall off there's no reason not to
1: yeah who cares no one's getting hurt yeah (laughs) sounds good
0: (laughs) okay so let's move on to the last of us and i think now that we're not We'll do like a kind of a full season overview when the season has wrapped up and we'll make that a little bit more friendly to 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 newcomers. But I think as we do episode by episode recaps, I think we should just do, you know, full spoilers, kind of what we were doing with with House of the Dragon. And yeah, this we this don't have week, to
2: pussyfoot around it. Sorry, I probably shouldn't have said that.
0: Uh so this week we are talking about episode two, infected, and episode three, long, 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 time. long time. And I mean, I think they're both great but three is the one that people have really pointed to as the highlight the reviewers who have kind of seen the whole season point to episode three as as probably the highlight Mm -hmm. and i i I, I would agree with that i I thought it was amazing
2: emmy's inbound gotta be at least oh yeah fantastic episode i would like to just rewind briefly we're gonna do like three minutes max on episode two because I think it's I,
0: important it is important I think there's important plot developments and yeah and the opening the opening is good.
2: that's what I was gonna say thing one cold opening I think we could do this in almost every episode and thus far we basically have where we cold open 20 years prior to the like outbreak basically in episode two it was fantastic because it took us to Jakarta where there was apparently like a wheat gluten grain factory that the fungus had thrived in. And that's where early infected were. We don't know if that's the exact patient zero yet Mm -hmm. clearly, but there was something happening there. And there's like the world's leading or one of the world's leading epidemiologists who is told about what happens. She investigates and they ask her, well, what do we do? And she says,
0: bomb bomb although one of the things is she's not an epidemiologist she's a she's a mycologist so she's an expert on on fungus fungus and so i think she she's not used to being in these situations before like the whole thing when the military comes to get her she's like did i do something wrong? why do you need to talk to me i'm I'm being arrested because and that's kind of fun too
1: because they're like oh yeah you know it's a a despotic regime sort of so the secret and everyone was kind of like yeah this happens all the time so we're afraid which i thought was like a nice little yeah just like throw it in there why not
2: sure but it was a great cold open and it it like links back to him not getting pancake mix that morning and his neighbors eating biscuits that morning
0: and oh shit i hadn't even thought of that
2: so there's um yeah and not getting the cake right like he accidentally missed being infected basically um
0: which is the thread they pick up again in episode three yeah Mm -hmm.
2: so it was perfect um and then again the other important things from episode 2 in my opinion are that one the actress they chose to play Tess and the way that Tess is played is just so much more empathetic and maternal and likable than in the sh- in the game the game yeah. Tess is very abrasive Yeah. Um and I know you never really feel like you like her like you're sad I guess that she's gone but you just don't feel it that much you really feel it in this that scene where she dies and everything that kind of plays out in that few moments is so good i mean right. everything from the creepy fungal kiss to uh, the i'm just the way it she, she, oh on yeah video for uh,
1: listeners
2: yeah uh, And the um, way that Ellie reacts that she's clearly found this like kind of maternal closer connection to Tess and vice versa. And Ellie's very upset and fighting against Joel. And then the look in Joel's eyes when he realizes he has to kind of abandon her there.
0: Right. And his quick turn. Don't look back. Yeah, Yeah. He
2: like looks her in the eye and you can tell he's like, I love you. He feels like a failure for not having protected her. And then bolts and kind of like father's Ellie. Who's fighting against him is just rock solid television so yeah.
1: it it is and it's like that yeah the game comparison because she's not a sympathetic character in the game in, in the same way that she is here like that but i think she does a great job uh anna Torv, of doing like you can tell that she's had a hard life and that she's like obviously damaged because of it but also you she, you still find her a sympathetic character and there's a genuine connection between them. In the game, it's more like pure circumstance. Like, Joel and her are they just just like, totally destroyed people. They don't have human feelings for each other. They just kind of bonk and they also do, like, supply runs and shit.
2: By necessity, yeah. yeah, like yeah. Their bond is from necessity and age and not from any real chemistry, honestly. Yeah. And this feels like they really have had found comfort in one another as well in this show. And that's a big difference. And then the only other thing I'll say about episode two, which is it gave a really important piece of information that raises the stakes and that isn't in the game or isn't a truth that's in the game, which is that, but it is true of Cordyceps that they have a network underground, basically that connects them as like a single organism right and that's gonna make if the rest of the show plays out like the game did and the situations they're in are similar and (laughs) joel is as bad as killing clickers in the show versus the game because he's pretty adept at handling clickers in the game like Uh i mean obviously that's me and i'm playing on regular level or whatever but like there's not many situations you can't really handle. You just distract them and sneak up behind them and kill them. But it's really hard, obviously, in the show. So on top of that, being able to like call one or call a horde to you is going to be really fucked up. Yeah. And now we can move on to episode three. But those are no. Just I like mean, two, I, I think episode two things. is
0: is a really terrific hour of television that's just overshadowed by how good episode three is. But like episode two is really good, and it's also something where you know so i haven't played the game but i know that there's a very very high chance that tess will die you know in the early episodes just because you know it's a show about joel and ellie and and yeah right. so either she dies or there's some sort of plot reason why she gets left behind um but even that so you're i'm just like on edge the whole time and then when it finally happens it is just really incredibly moving um so yeah it's still it's a great episode uh which then leads into episode three which is framed with Joel and Ellie at the beginning and at the end. But really, the, the, the kind of the main part of the episode is about Bill and Frank, who I understand are characters, or at least they're mentioned in the game, but not really big characters.
2: So I'll roll through this because mm-hmm. it probably is helpful context. So in the game, Joel and Ellie, after Tess's death, decide to go to see Bill and frank and they are looking for a car battery and that's the best place that they can go to do it and there's kind of like several different like play sessions within that to get to there but you eventually get to bill's house and learn that via a letter that frank has committed suicide mm-hmm. and then bill takes you to a school where there is a car battery located. And that's the first time you come in contact with a bloater. So that's kind of like the the way that it goes in this time. You don't really get, you get a sense that they have worked together in the past. You get a sense that Bill is upset that in the last several years, his partner has committed suicide. He's an already disgruntled person who's even more disgruntled. And then you go and get this car battery. Yeah. Um,
1: and you find him ha- ha- hanging, right?
2: Yeah, you find him hanging. So you've never met Frank alive oh, okay. in the game. Yeah. So again, for them to cold open. But Bill seems years quite upset
1: ago, when you find when you stumble Bill's upon him. Bill's quite upset. Yeah, for hanging. sure. Yeah.
2: And it's not like super recent either. It's like no, he left him hanging there, and it's been upset ever since, kind of thing. So it's not not powerful, but it's not as layered and kind of intricate and complex as this episode. Right And and it's played for
1: brutality as opposed for, like, sweetness and whatever. Yeah.
2: And so I thought, you know, I kept expecting. There's a scene in the previews, like, uh, in the coming weeks or whatever. In one of the preview sessions, there's a bloater that looks like it's in the school. So I had the expectation that that would all come in the same way as the game. So throughout all of episode three, I was like... I was loving every second of it. It wasn't like I was like, what the fuck is this? This isn't source Mm, material or whatever. I was fine. I was great. But I kept expecting this kind of school car battery thing that didn't come. And I really enjoyed watching the after the episode when they discussed um, kind of like showing what there is to fight for, what there is to work for that like love and kind of beauty and, all of those things can be had in this world, you know, with enough kind of like work and resilience. I think for me, I was just shocked at Bill going too. I almost felt like, what other option is there while mm. it was happening? But it wasn't in the source material for that to happen. So right, that right. was like, whoa, okay, we're making changes now, guys. I like the changes so far, but we are making changes stressed me out a little bit and it was definitely a curveball which i think is nice for players of the game
1: Mm -hmm.
0: yeah maybe i shouldn't tell you this but from all the press that i've read around the show that seems like the consensus is this episode is the biggest deviation from the game and and it'll sort of be closer to the game for the rest of the season which is another
2: exciting thing for me because i honestly don't remember so i know what the last episode's gonna be because i remember how the game ended and i know what the second to last episode is going to be because I remember the lead up to the end of the game, but I don't remember between now and then. I yeah. literally don't. I don't know what is gonna. What that's five episodes that I can't account for.
1: So, a lot of the in between plot wise, yeah, it's very murky to me. So I'm like you, I'm which is another really...
2: reason why I was like, why aren't they spreading this out a little bit more? But right. I mean, they know what they're doing. They're doing a great job. So yeah. I mean, well, this kudos was a- to Nick Offerman. Who knew that Nick oh. Offerman, of all actors in the world, could make me cry, you know, like from being in a gay love story. I just... Mm.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I, I liked that it... I mean, I just thought... Because it was one of those things where you hear the description of it, and it sounds like, oh, that's that sounds like it'll be pretty good, but I kind of also feel like I know what to expect. But it felt like at every moment, they just made it even more powerful than i thought it would be and like that there's i think you you really believe the sort of relationship that blossoms between these two characters and that there's this real sense of physical intimacy which i think often uh you know mainstream media is a little bit shy about but like Uh you know you see them in bed together you see them like you know just kiss and it's not like explicit but there's just a sense of like oh this isn't like Two people who were going to call say are in a gay relationship, but they act like they're really just best friends. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh no, they're like in a romantic committed romantic relationship. And even though you only see them, like it, it's 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 really not that many scenes. But like by the end of it, you feel like you really know who they are and how they are together.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm.
2: yeah. There are the important scenes. It reminds me a lot of that HBO show that they took off HBO with Anna Kendrick.
0: Love Life. Oh, Love Life. Love yeah. Life.
2: Where it's like you don't actually it if done right you don't have to show much from a relationship, but if you hit the right points, if you hit the moment we met and um, you know the our first fight and uh, you know that s- strawberry scene is the one that will stick with me I think for the longest because it is this like Nick Offerman's kind of like childish pickle. yeah at His the taste of a great. strawberry. I mean, it's just like this pure sweet and there's pollen in the air. It just it's a really really beautiful thing. And I think if you hit enough of those moments, you know, it I wasn't afraid until I met you and then the raiders coming and you just you hit enough of those moments and it doesn't have to be long, you know. That's like probably 35 minutes of the show. And right. you're like i know this relationship this i i'm rooting for it so hard
0: and again i feel like there have been other shows where there is like oh we'll take one episode to focus on some different characters to tell a slightly different self-contained story and sometimes that can feel very perfunctory annoying. like they're just sort of hitting the things you expect and it's here it's again not that they do anything wildly different it's just all done so well the performances are so good they pick the right scenes like even in that strawberry scene like like you said, the, the joy that they, that both, the but especially Nick Offerman shows when he sees the strawberries, that line he has about, sorry, I'm sorry that I got older before you did. And, mm. and then um Frank is like, no, old is good. That means we're still here. Um mm-hmm. And yeah, all of it is just done so well. And, and, you know, not a lot of time at all. And then it leads to this, you know, there's kind of It mostly focuses on, I guess, like these first few years and then there's kind of a bigger jump and you see that Frank is sick. Um, They don't say exactly what it is, um, but he's like in a wheelchair. He says it's something that they wouldn't even have been able to cure. pre. Yeah,
2: Probably something like degenerative, you know, like a mess
0: or something. And so Frank says, you know, like, it's time. I want this to be my final day. This is how I want to go. Um, And... Um, They have this like sweet final day together where they get dressed up, they get married, Bill makes dinner. And then, um, Frank has said, you know, and then what you're going to do is you're going to take these, you know, presumably sleeping pills and uh, crush them up and put them in my wine. And that's how I'm going to go. I'm going to die in your arms. And, um, that's what, uh, Bill does with the exception that he also has already like crushed up a bunch of pills and put them in the wine before, um even showing it to to frank and so he's also they're you know they're gonna die together and um it's yeah it's just incredibly moving and i i was like weeping at the end of that scene mm-hmm.
2: yeah it was really good and it it was frustrating for me in that last in the, that like five minute window where they're doing their last day where i was like you know in the game frank hit it from bill i mean i think he like was giving the intimation that he wanted his life to end but it surprised Bill, and Bill carried on. Mm-hmm. And to have a full day to think about it, do you want to be here alone, basically? To choose anything else would be ridiculous, but I was so kind of, you know, like, religious about the game that I was like, how is he going to do this? It's going to be mm. brutal. And there was, like, the sense of surprise, but also relief at the choice he had made. It was like, thank God, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, it was yeah, it was great. I mean, they. Murray Bartlett also did like a fantastic job, right? He, he, mm-hmm. It's hard to understate how good Murray Bartlett has been in the past few years now. Like, totally. despite he having a really long career, which I didn't really realize, but he's he was in a lot of um, uh, soap operas. Oh, like. really? Okay. Yeah, I mean, he's been he's been on tv or in movies since like the 1980s or whatever but he's like obviously the white lotus was like the big kind of like modern breakout uh for him in a semi-starring role i guess and then he was re- excellent in welcome to chippendales too if anybody's seen that and then now wow. in this so yeah really really showing up that's for sure but he's doing
2: a great um, job yeah love him adore him Oh, i mean awesome. this is
0: the least thing about the important thing about the performance but i also was just expecting him to have his white lotus accent and the fact that he had an american accent and like within two minutes i completely forgot that his voice didn't sound the way it did in the white i lotus. didn't even was...
2: recognize him from white lotus until after
0: mm.
1: in so. in uh, uh what do you call it In welcome to ship i think he's wearing some like light prosthetic makeup or something so he he also looks totally unrecognizable and he has a another different accent and it's you, you forget it you forget it's him too he's amazing at that so yeah
2: i have a non-mari murray bartlett comment so i was just gonna say that when they did bring ellie and joel back i think they did a good job of like re-establishing where you're where you are in the world basically and like bringing it back to pancakes bring it back to like the fact that tess has just died because you go so far away and down such a timeline That it's hard to remember that Tess has been Mm -hmm. dead for like 24 hours and that that's still really fresh for the characters we're with, even though it doesn't feel as fresh for us. And the kind of like bond that I think they did a good job with Bill being like, call Joel, Joel, take care of you. And then him writing the note to Joel, even though there was so much friction and what we saw of them on screen together, we never saw them bond. We never saw them have a moment of recognizing themselves in the other. And yet, like, they did all along in a lot of ways. Um, And I just thought that was really good. And Mm -hmm. I have no idea what to expect next. So I'm really excited for Sunday because it feels like the first one that I'm going in without a lot of spoilers. I know as soon as it kicks up and I see a location or something, I'm going to be excited. Oh, and the one other soft note that I'll give was that in episode two... There were a couple things that i said that i really wanted to see from gameplay in the show yeah. and i saw all of them which was the cabinet being knocked over to guard the entrance uh boost me up and there was one other it's what's on boost phone. me up like in the game
0: oh that's how they like always like, traverse yeah. there's
2: like a big enough ledge to get up that you can't pull yourself up alone so joel always leans down and kind of throws ellie up and then ellie miraculously reaches down and lifts joel (laughs) six (laughs) inches for him to get a hand up there (laughs) but it's like uh you probably do it 200 times when you're playing the game and so it's just such a common thing that I felt like it needed to happen let me figure out what the other the last thing was give me a boost or the wood plank bridge when they cross over the you oh, all yeah. you often have to oh, like yeah. find a ladder or a piece of wood to get like from one high place to another in the game and they did all three of those in the second episode and it felt like it was like tick 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 yeah that was good too Because like i needed
1: a, oh don't he's just like don't be scared don't be afraid and she's like like,
2: was already halfway
0: across
1: yeah because she's (laughs) like it's this or that like the monsters are pretty scary so I'm okay with this yeah
0: I I did want to go back also for a sec to you mentioned being you know impressed with with Nick Offerman and, and surprised and I think definitely I mean he did great and then I feel like between this and um uh devs. devs i feel like i almost think of him as primarily this sort of tragic dramatic actor now that he just all has this like haunted look in his eyes yeah and now i just want to see him play sad men. he's he's not funny to me anymore he's just sad sad oh, guy. i
2: think he's really funny i just always my most imprinted memory of nick offerman is actually meeting him at ces mm-hmm. and i didn't at the time i hadn't watched parks and rec so i knew he was famous but i didn't care really you know, like I wasn't yeah. starstruck by him, but I am in love with Karen from Will and Grace, his wife. Uh-huh. I was right. like, I, I love your wife. And he was like, she has great tits. <laughs> and <laughs>
0: yeah, that's and very... that is like my most Nick poignant Offerman.
2: memory of Nick Offerman. So I'll never, ever not think that he's funny and a little bit unsettling. Mm-hmm. Um, But yeah, I hear what you're saying. He has really like solidified himself as a dramatic actor and... He's doing a great job at it. I hope he gets an Emmy. I hope they both get Emmys. I hope everyone gets an Emmy.
1: Yeah, all Emmys for everybody, I think, for,
2: for yeah. this one. Yeah, sweep. Sweep on this yeah. episode is what I want.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it really is as good as everyone's been saying. And um, hopefully everyone who's listening has checked it out or will check it out and love it as much as we do. Yeah. But um, yeah, let us know what you think of Emily in Paris or The Last of Us, two incredibly similar shows. <laughs> um, you can email us, originalcontentpod at gmail.com. That's originalcontentpod at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at Original Content. And we always appreciate it when you subscribe and leave us a positive review in Apple Podcasts or the podcast app of your choice. Thank you so much for listening. Gerald and Jordan, I'll talk to you later.
1: Bye-bye. Bye.